Hello and welcome to the King Hero IndyCar Podcast with Kirby and Justin. Kirby, how are you? Uh, doing well, Justin. How about yourself? Pretty impressed with that uh, introduction. The elongated uh, hello? That might be a keeper. All right. You, you work on that. Kirby, I'm excited. I, I really did feel like I was wearing down at the end of the year there. You could probably hear it in my voice, and you could certainly hear it in the last episode, which I'm going to have to say is one of our worst ever. <laughs> really? Yeah. So apologies to everyone for that stinker. Taking some time here uh, after the end of the, the IndyCar season, and we've given it plenty of time to lend some perspective to the events, wouldn't you say? I hope so. So what I'm really excited about, Curb, towards the end of the show, we're going to do – we're going to go back um, – look at the predictions we made at the beginning of the year and see how we did. Oh, that'll be great. That will be great. Well, at least one of us is not going to look good, I'm sure. But like any stock picker on CNBC, you know, who, you know, quickly picks a stock and then for conveniently forgets about it six months later uh, when it turns out ter- terrible. Uh, we're not going to do that curve. We're going to own up to what we said. I would like to start with a complaint. No, not really. Yes, I would. You and I have discussed Laguna Seca and how we feel like it's a somewhat, well, more than somewhat, we think it is a lackluster final event. And I know you have also made a point of you you can't stand, you know, kind of Bush League uh, presentations at the end of, you know, end of a race. And I think in Laguna Seca, we got a a mixing of both of those where you had a just the championship in front of a smattering of people. And, it, you know, as they're given the award, you can kind of see like, you know, maybe 10 or 15 people in the stands behind you, you know, cheering on, you know, Will Power and his great season in this, you know, very important IndyCar uh, league. What say you? Well, yeah, I've been beating that drum a while. They have a long way to go in uh, in presentation terms. And they didn't do a whole lot better this year than last year, maybe a smidge. But, uh, last year they were at Long Beach. So the crowd was probably a little more accessible. Even when there are fans more visible to uh, the television viewer, they still don't seem to make a great effort of bringing the celebration to the fans. It just looked terrible. The optics were horrible. They're like giving these awards in front of just the smattering of people. Talked about it with St. Louis and we talked about it with other races. It's like this whole thing where they want to end at a place like Laguna Seca for uh, business reasons that have right. nothing to do with the core fan right. uh, and have everything to do with either TV or in this case, you know, probably business to business or whatever. But ultimately the fans have to win out or there's not going to be any IndyCar. This Laguna Seca ending is just another case of fan abuse, in my opinion. Strangely enough, the race itself was decent, I thought, particularly for a Laguna Seca event. I know that Palau put it away early, but um, Joseph Newgarden's drive through the field and all that kind of thing um, was pretty entertaining. The presentation, I mean, this is your championship. This is a big deal. And it could be a high school cross-country meet, you know? I mean, that's yeah. what it's like. There was references to the crowd was bigger this time, but I, I didn't. I couldn't see it. At least on TV, I couldn't see it. Curb you? Well, my biggest hope for a crowd, when they do the, the helicopter or the drone shots, and you'd see a lot of cars and a lot of people up on the hills, uh, kind of a longer inside the track, you know, inside the mm. where the corkscrew is and all that. But if you want to wish on a star and think there's a crowd there, you'd have to look at those cars parked in there and the crowds on those hills and, and hope there's a lot more than you can see there. Kirby mentioned Palau and, and we've taken long enough uh, to get this podcast out where his uh, future for the next 12 months anyways is, is now set. 
But at, at the time, if you recall, there was discussion uh, around the, the Gonzaga race that uh, Ganassi wanted 10 million bucks um, to let Palau out of his contract. Curb, if your McLaren is Palau worth $10 million to you? More importantly, having to wait 12 months or not for Palau for $10 million is certainly not worth it to me. Palau in general is not worth $10 million to me for an IndyCar event uh, or for an IndyCar series seat. Paying $10 million to get in 12 months sooner is certainly not worth it. I don't know if one or $2 million are worth paying to get in 12 months sooner. I don't know about that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, maybe a mil, but yeah, I, I, I can't see me going much more than that. If I pay, if I paid a mil, at least half of it would come out of his salary the first year. That's for sure. <laughs> oh Yeah. Uh, he's working for free uh, or, right. or close to it. Yeah, yeah. No, 100%. Obviously, uh, McLaren came to the same conclusion. Ganassi had the upper hand uh, legally and uh, knew it. I'm not so sure Ganassi wouldn't have let him go for $1 or $2 million if it had been offered. <laughs> Maybe things will change in a year's time and they'll come to a different conclusion. Right now, they seem to be a very good marriage on track. Hey, look, so you got to say, I mean, you know, he's driving very well. That was a dominating performance at Laguna Seca a third at Nashville, which was also a very good drive. So I, I can see why Ganassi probably wanted to have him write out his contract, frankly. Maybe at the end of another 12 months, uh, they'll decide that they're better off together than they are apart. Well, that's the other thing you got to look at too, from Palau's standpoint, it's like he's not going to a better team. If he goes to McLaren, no, it's, it's fairly clear that they're, he's not going to formula one either. <laughs> You know, he might get to drive a car around a little bit. You know, you know, Zach Brown's he, he, he's called Wolf a couple too many times there. Right. Um, yeah. Cried Wolf, should I say? Not called Wolf, cried Wolf. You know, I think nobody's going to fall for that trick anymore. Yeah, surprising how many guys fell for it this year. Right. <laughs> yeah. No. I mean, it's just they can't they can't help themselves. That's just such a tasty little bit of candy there. They can't help themselves. I mean, I don't know how well Polo did in his test last week i guess like anything if a guy does well it gets out makes the rounds among the the formula one paddock i guess and henceforth uh, i think that's the real reason colton Herta got some interest because he did it very well apparently in his f1 test over the summer maybe there's that kind of hope for a guy like polo um or pato award that's a reasonable point okay curb uh power uh i think we are both probably very happy to see mr power win his second yeah, I was worried that Newgarden would storm off to a win and, and Power might slip a spot or two and lose the lose the championship. So very happy for him. So he only had one win. Obviously, his performances in qualification was very good. My question to you, Curb, is can Will Power ever do it again in his career? I don't see any reason why he can't. Um, I can either pile up a few more wins. A rare case where he could uh, – win the championship on one more win again. I think we've all thought he was capable for many years, right? It just, for whatever reason, team-wise or personal-wise, would always have a strange stretch of poor performances each year, and uh, thankfully he was able to avoid that this year. Um, but I'll give you two reasons why I don't think he'll do it again, and that is uh, Scott McLaughlin and Joseph Newgarden. Right. Well, that's the thing. He'll have a hard time being number one on his own team. Curb, uh, a few other housekeeping things or not housekeeping. Should Sato retire? No. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure somebody looking for a seat wishes he would. You know what? He was still fast at Indy this year, right? And um, I think that's the main reason he's there. 
It's sounding like you would say indie only. It wouldn't be the worst result in the world. No. Race indie only. I hate to say that, but uh, he was pretty invisible the rest of the year. I was and soundly beat by a rookie teammate. Right. Yeah, I, I think the writing's on the wall there. I think he sh- I think he should retire all for everything but Indy. It does look like like Kanan started looking like towards the end, like just the, the road and street courses and all that. He's just he's just not there at all anymore. Fun to have. Uh, he was a fun guy to have in the series. Uh, one of the guys that might take over that seat, uh, should it be vacated, would be uh, Mr. Lionel, Linus Lindquist, who just seems like kind of the full package. Yeah, apparently he's not going to bring as much money as a prior Indy Lights winners. But um, <laughs> Well, I, I do want to ask you, I, why don't we just talk about that? Because it's probably more interesting than talking about Linus Lindquist. Yeah. Um, what do you make of all that curve? I I, I I've got my views on it. What's yours? I'm not sure what to make of it. Um, I think that they are. I think Lundquist might be the victim of just a transition year. You know, one. I think, if I understand correctly, maybe part of the motivation was taking some of that money and putting it into purses for each race, that the money got spread around to more Indy Lights teams and perhaps made it easier to attract larger fields and, and maintain larger fields throughout the season. Well, I, yeah, because it sounds like to me like there's kind of a $1.2 million pie, which previously, you know, kind of winner-take-all type of deal. Now they take 700000 of that, spread it out to the rest of the field during the year based on their performances during the race. I don't have a problem with any of that. What I do have a problem with is, like, the, the IndyCar PR machine is horrid because they're getting all kinds of bad press about this, right? And from what it looks like to me, they're basically spending the same amount of money and yet, the only headline you read is, you know, Lundquist has been ripped off 700 grand. I mean, what is wrong with those people? Why can't they just state their case and why they're doing it? Frame the discussion instead of having other people frame it for them. I find it a little bit even more disappointing because, you know, Pesky's in charge now, right? And you kind of expect everything to be done first class. And um, the communication of this change apparently was not done first class. Indy Lights owners, I think, were quoted as saying that this change wasn't made clear to them at the beginning of the season. They look like the bad guys that don't have their act together instead of instead of the smart guys that apparently supposedly have good reasons for this change, just are unable to articulate it in a positive way. No, it's, they, like I said, they lost control of the entire narrative there. You sent me, uh, uh, I think Nathan Brown did an interview with Roger Penske. Right. That didn't exactly fill me with joy either. <laughs> well, there are certainly parts of it that, that didn't fill me with joy. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, oh, it's just like, yeah. I mean, like, I suppose it, we we just can't talk ill of Roger Penske, right? I mean, that's just not. No. We just can't. I guess we can disagree with him on some things, though. Yeah, it's 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 blasphemous. So, I guess what we'll just say is maybe we, uh, at least from my standpoint, maybe I disagree on not bringing a new chassis in right uh maybe i disagree on uh not expanding to new venues and trying some new things and maybe i disagree on how they are handling their pr for the entire organization hopefully there's more urgency behind the scenes to address that than uh, we're seeing in public they're making improvements but it's very very slow and it's not exactly original thinking. 
you know, when they're talking about paving areas under stands instead of paving tracks, you know, that just <laughs> kind of gets me like a little crazy. Yeah, we're making all these improvements. We're paving an area that people yeah. walk on. He's uh, certainly we've certainly discovered Roger Penske's inner, uh, you know, love for uh, infra- infrastructure. Right. Walking on pavement. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't like walking on gravel, apparently. Yeah, I don't. Um, uh, yeah, I was disappointed to hear what he had to say about the the lack of urgency regarding a new chassis. Uh, sounds yeah. like sounds like they could chassis could still be using it by the end of the decade. So. Yeah, he gave you no hope there. None. None. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, F1's car looks like our car, so why should we change? Um, and I think uh, Drive to Survive for Less is also dead. Like uh, Toyota is a third engine manufacturer is now also dead. What do you think? I, I know some of the the, uh, the news this year wasn't always uh, positive. You know, wasn't always you know cheerleader stuff for IndyCar, but it was news and it got him some attention. His approach, their approach, wouldn't lend itself to being open with a drive to survive type of product, right? They, you, you can tell IndyCar wouldn't just shrug their shoulders and say, okay, okay, any any news, any entertainment's good entertainment. They would just no circle up and say, oh, we're not gonna talk about that. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. And I, it's too late. I, I personally feel like this is too late. I think Drive to Survive is got maybe a few more seasons left of popularity, and I think that's gonna begin to wane. I haven't, I've barely watched any Formula One this year. You know, I've just, I've really lost a lot of interest in it as a series, you know? From what I can tell, barely following it, there's no reason to follow, right? I mean, it's it's a, a Max Verstappen victory tour all season long. They thought Zach Brown was doing all this stuff with drivers and such because he spiced up things for drivers to survive next year. Uh, watch this space, but I do think it's too late for Indy to do their Me Too on that one. America seems to have an insatiable desire for really crappy reality series, so you never know. <laughs> but, I don't um, think so, Curb. You'd have to have two lightning strikes twice. One is to have any interest in IndyCar at all, and two in a crappy reality series. It just seems too much to me. Seems yeah. a bridge too far. And apparently, whoever they shopped it to to try and get them to do it, nobody nobody bit. So there's always some kind of market for that kind of thing, but... Uh, but whether we do get any car any good, who knows? You want to talk about Brian Barnhart? Brian Barnhart and Taylor Kyle. And uh, no, I think. Uh, <laughs> Did you ever think you'd see a day when Brian Barnhart would be going to McLaren to call? Seems like a seems like a, a really strange culture fit to me. <laughs> Beyond comprehension. Uh, All right, Alex, give me three good ones here. Supposedly they got along real well this year. <laughs> so, yeah, which is even more bizarre, right? But if Rossi left Andretti to go to Aaron McLaren and brought Brian Barnhart with him to be his crew chief or his chief judge, that would be that'd be very ironic. All right, Curb. Um, we're gonna get into the uh, the predictions that we made uh, and how we did. So here All we right. go. Can't wait. Okay, Curb, so here we go. This will be fun. I know you, you seem to be not excited at all, but I think it's going to be fun. <laughs> okay. The first prediction we spoke about was Will Power and whether or not he was going to get the pole record away from Mario Andretti. All right. We both weighed in. 
And here is what we said. Uh, I think he should be able to get those four within a couple seasons without too much trouble. Uh, he did only win one poll last year, but the uh, four years prior to that, from 17 to 20, he averaged four and a half polls a year. I don't think it's age or any, you know, uh, loss of ability on his part. I think it's just, you know, a lot tougher competition out there. You know, gone are the days when he'd get eight polls in a season like he did back in 2010 or 2011. But uh, don't forget, so my prediction that nobody will hold me to because it'll be at least two or three years to disprove it is that it's going to be very close. All right, Kerb, so there you have it. Uh, strike one up for the curbster. <laughs> All right, I'll take the I'll take the early lead. See how it holds uh, up. Uh, I was completely wrong. He not only was it a question whether he'd actually even get there. Um, so now he has gotten there and then some. I think he he has surprised us both to the uh, the speed with which he's done it. A nice resurgence for willpower in the on the qualifying game for sure. Okay, the next question, Curb. You posed um, regarding uh, new guys on new teams, Grosjean, Sato, Harvey, and Pagano, and what their relative fortunes would be in the upcoming year. Let's listen in. Of those four, who do you think will have the best season in their new digs? Well, I think, you know, the easy answer to that would be Grosjean and Andretti, but I kind of feel like Harvey might do okay at Ray Hall, and I think Sato will not be good at point i've not been a big proponent of pagano as of recent years i mean it's hard to be you know uh and it's hard to see where going to that team is somehow going to catapult him to the front but stranger things have happened right and i think jack harvey's a better driver than people give him credit for so i'm putting you down for uh groshan harvey pagano sato yes all right, I'm going to go for uh, Pagano. Number one, I think he'll be energized and rejuvenated. I, th- I think Rojan is talented and will do have a lot of peaks, but I think he'll have his share of valleys. I think Harvey's going to get outshined on his own team. I think Sato's at coin for one thing and one thing only in SCN 500. Well, there you have it, Curb. Well, I think uh first thing that should be said was that they were all mediocre at best. <laughs> you know, I think Grosjean... Placing 13th was the highest of those four. Which would make me correct, I believe. He was the highest, so you uh, you get the win for that. Uh, Pagano was second among those four, 15th in the standings. Uh, but I would say a pretty disappointing season for both. Your admiration of Harvey's abilities uh, didn't age well. That's a real stinker at this point. And I, I think the statement that Sato's there for one reason proved true. It was not a successful Indy 500 for him, but he ran fast most of the month and qualified well, but very disappointing. Uh, even though he did beat Harvey by still very disappointing uh, season outside the Indy 500 for, for Sato. Kirby, the next thing we talked about was predictions for rookie of the year. Let's listen in. Okay. Okay. There are uh, six count of six rookies in the field this year. Devlin D. Francesco at Andretti, Malukas, David Malukas at Coin, Kyle Kirkwood and Tatiano Calderon. At uh, AJ Foyt, Callum Eilat at the new Humcos Hollinger team, and Christian Lungard at Ray Hall, Letterman, Lanigan. Predictions. I like Lungard at Ray Hall just because he's on It's a, of, of the teams, it's a decent team. Dev Francesco at Andretti. We've talked about Foyt probably too much on this show, but I think it's a, it's a disaster they're headed to this year uh, for the whole team. 
I don't know what they're doing. I mean, to, to have three cars like this and uh, Kirkwood is obviously a great driver, but you know, I think Sebastian Bourdais was a great driver and somehow Floyd brought him down. Kirkwood's probably in the middle of that pack, I would guess. Um, maybe even towards the front, because who, uh, who went to coin uh, Malukas? Malukas, yeah. I don't think that's going to be a particularly potent combination either. So, uh, Lungard, De Francesco, Kirkwood, Malukas, Eilat, new team, tough sledding for him. I think he's a very talented driver, but you know, it's, I, I'll, I'll slot him in uh, just after Kirkwood. That means you got him between Kirkwood and Malukas. Yeah, going to diverge here. I'm going to say Malukas is rookie of the year. I think he's strong. I think I think Malukas is bringing his Indy Lights team with him for the most part. HMD Racing. I'd go with probably Lungard second. I think De Francesco might surprise a little bit. Um, as you said, he's on a strong team. Should have had another year of seasoning, but uh, I think he might surprise a little bit. Kirkwood should be next, and then Ilot, and then Calderon. I think you're smoking crack with Malukas. Uh, it's first time for everything. Um, haven't any crack before in my life. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> All right, Curb. Uh, a lot of little nuggets there. I think in general, we were fairly correct there, wouldn't you say? For the most part. Um, you know, you were you were kind of one for two there. You got Lundgaard certainly as the top rookie. Um, your disdain from Lucas was proven incorrect. But uh, other than that, I think we were fairly spot on. Uh, unfortunately for... Andretti Di Francesco did not surprise, um, and unfortunately for Foyt, you were spot on, and uh, there, on the combination of uh, Kirkwood, Kellett, and, and uh, Calderon there for half the season. Yeah, I, I'm not. Just, I'm gonna probably break my arm here, uh, patting myself on the back, but I called that one big time. Yeah, yeah that was that was uh, quite the disaster for for the Foyt Racing team this year. Yeah, I think we disagreed in general on Kirkwood and his ability to overcome. Or his reputation, anyway. The ability for his reputation to overcome driving for Floyd, I think uh, his reputation did take a hit. And um, unfortunately for him, still carried him through to a good seat at, or potentially good seat at Andretti. Yeah, he signed that early, which was smart. Um, <laughs> right. Real smart. Right. Okay, Curb, uh, moving on. Yes. The next thing we spoke about was uh, uh, you brought up uh, Ericsson. You kind of just threw the question out there is like what what his fortunes lie for 2022. And this is what was said. Erickson's in this weird thing where I just think he gets at one point during last year, the hottest racer of anybody. Right. Right. Uh, but he just doesn't seem to get the respect. And I think the reason he doesn't get the respect is because he's just not at the sharp end enough. He's right there in the mix last year. I think he could race just as well and, and finish 10th instead of 6th this year. Yeah, but do you so, agree with me that he, that he doesn't really get the respect? I do. That's kind of why I brought him up as somebody that uh, could go either way uh, very easily. This year, I think his results are in 2021. I think his results showed well and maybe a little bit better than he drove. I think he should be in that mix again. I really do. Well, Curb? Uh, well, I'd say Marcus uh, proved me right for half a season and uh, and strangely kind of faded there in the second half, wouldn't you? He came in six again, <laughs> right? Well, um, yeah, yeah, I mean, he did. But, I mean, yeah. he, 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 he carried on his momentum from last year. Well, um, I mean, he won the 500, right? I mean, that's why he's in six and not 10th or 8th or ninth. you know what I mean? Right. Um, 
he got those points. He was in the top spot in the standings for a long time after that 500 and, and just slowly faded away. Yeah, he did. I, you know, I'd say he had a marginally better season than 21, honestly. Right. You know, um, but he's, yeah, he's still not, he's still lacking the wow factor um, that we spoke about at the beginning of the season. Sure. Okay, Curb, next. Do you think people are finding this tedious? Well, <laughs> might have been a little more entertaining with a higher production value, but uh, we're learning. <laughs> we're learning as we go, right? Yeah, oh, we're learning, are we? I'm here what's for the last time. What's the last time you edited a podcast, Curb? I'm here to support you. Yeah. Okay, uh, this the next one was the big one, where we predict who's going to be the champion at the end of the season. All right. I believe you were in New Garden. Yeah. I'm Herdomania. You're Herdomania. Yep. I had kind of forgotten just how dominant he was towards the second half of last year. You know, practices or, or you know, preseason testing mean anything. I think that could be a real misnomer to pay any attention to those numbers. But again, top of the charts there, too. Drove like a fast little bunny at the Rolex 24 curb. <laughs> yeah, he did uh, do that. He just seems to be hitting on all on all cylinders right now. He he really does. Not my favorite driver, honestly, but you know, heard of mania. Since you've uh, released Joseph Newgarden as your pick, that's who I'm going to go with. I think. I think Newgarden, um, even with his two championships, is underrated for how well he's driven the last five seasons, and uh, I think he legitimately could have claimed any one of those championships he didn't win. So my money's on Newgarden this year, and uh, I'll be pulling for him from the start. Well, how do you feel about your prediction? Um, well, I think it was terrible. Terrible prediction. Um, a total uh, too much confidence in the Andretti team as opposed to too much confidence in the driver, but whatever you want to call it. Um, uh, and, and look, he was on fire at the end of 21, you know, sure. um, it was a, it was a logical choice. I can't, I can't beat myself up too bad over it, but yeah, what a mess. I mean, that team just, you know, the, you know what a mess. And like I said, I don't, I don't feel like next year is going to be any better. Curb, I thought, uh, even though you missed a bit by one, um, you know, Newgarden was, uh, I think everything you said about Newgarden is still true today. Like this one could have been another one for him, right? If you look back at the last five seasons, I bet Newgarden looks at it and thinks he could have won every one of them. I mean, he, um, and I think that's why he was so seemingly so, um, seemed to be more stressed out this year than normal, uh, just knowing that. He's let him slip through his fingers year after year and uh, knowing it happened to him again this year. Uh, I, I think he's, I do think he's the best driver in the series the last five years. Um, Maybe a bit of a blasphemy to say he's better than Dixon, but, um, but I, you know, I think, I think he's very good and he's on the, he's on the right team and they could pull their head out of their ass at the 500 next year. He'd be pretty hard to beat. The team, in my opinion, made several mistakes this year, and he made mistakes this year, which caught, I mean, he made that mistake in qualifying at Laguna Seca. They made a horrible uh, call, strategic call in Portland. And there are a few other times of the year. I mean, they'd have to, right? Because they won five times and still didn't win the championship. So right. um, when he's uh, looking to assess some blame, he needs to put a little bit on his team and a little bit on himself this year, uh, come back next year. 
uh, without making similar errors. Yeah, I, I mean, I'll tell you right now, he's my pick next year. Yeah, if I if I get to pick first in our preseason show next year, I'll be taking okay. me bird. All right, fair enough. All right, Curb, the next one up. Can you believe they're still we're still coming? I was trying to think of what they're else. Uh, maybe there's two more. Um, one I I just included because this is kind of the most embarrassing of all, and that's this one. You and I discussed whether Power and or Ray Hall were even in the conversation for a championship this year. Uh, and I, don't this, think, I don't think we're going to enjoy the fact you dug that one up. No, this is what we said. I'm going to say no, but I, I actually root for him every year to try to be Me too. Me too, but I, I, he's dropped off my list. You wouldn't, you wouldn't throw Ray Hall in there, would you? Uh, as we discussed last podcast, if uh, if Ray Hall starts qualifying in the top three, he's absolutely going to be in there. But I just don't see that happening either. Well, so we were fifty fit. We were we batted five hundred on that one. Yeah, uh, the Ray Hall thing was uh, was was accurate as ever. Um, the uh, the power thing was way off but uh i think we have plenty of company in not seeing that one coming that change coming okay uh curb the last one the last one which you might be pleased to know was we chose who we thought would win the 500 right and this is what we said who's your pick for the 500 i might surprise you curb yeah Paginot. It wouldn't surprise me if you won. It surprised me that you picked him. But right. Helio going for number five, defending champion with that team. And uh, Paginot, I think, is as good a driver as anybody at the 500 the last five to ten years. So uh, uh, nothing wrong with that pick at all. I'm going to go with Dixon. I think Dixon, Dixon, uh, uh, low key and less pressure with a lot more uh, spotlight on other drivers this year. I can sit there and argue tooth and nail over that. But uh, whether it's Mike Hall or chip or somebody they've kind of been doing them wrong a little bit last few years all right curb uh well unfortunately um scott can't point the finger anywhere else this year for uh, failing to win the 500 well i don't think it was the the lock that he would win like everybody says it was uh he certainly certainly had an extremely strong chance to win it and uh just threw it away and i'm sure that he'll rue that day for a long time well it happened again we would have had to go through a lot of people before either of us picked Erickson to win. Right. Um, so that was another kind of shocker of the season. So I don't, I don't feel bad about uh, not picking him. I, I, Pagano and Elio this year were pretty, I don't even remember how they did in the 500, but they were kind of nowhere to be found all year. Let's, let's be honest. They didn't qualify well. They didn't race particularly well. Um, yeah, they were, they were nowhere even at the 500. Um, again, an adjunct to the Andretti uh, virus. Um, Apparently. Or, yeah, that appears to be very, very powerful. All right, Curb. I thought it was interesting. I don't know if anybody else will be you will find it interesting, but I thought it was pretty good. I mean, at least we uh, held ourselves accountable. Didn't think we fared too badly. No, I think, uh, you know, and I think uh, I had a very good uh, year gambling, won quite a bit of money. Um, so I think, uh, you know, our, our gambling picks have, have not been bad either. So, uh, I think there's reason for people to listen, uh, well, not only in the off season, of course, but, uh, once next year starts up, uh, 
you should have your uh, you know bookie on the phone and uh, be listening to you know be waiting with bated breath on our every word. All right, Curb. Um, let's wrap it there. It's uh, it's been a long, long, long journey here today. All in all, though, like there are more positives than negatives this year for IndyCar. Uh, even though we we tend to focus on the negatives, it wasn't all bad. Even though we tend to focus on the bad, so kudos to the IndyCar, and hopefully they can continue their incremental three to four to five percent improvement every year. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Um, uh, maybe some storms brewing in the overall economy, which uh, could uh, could play into things here before too long, Curb, but uh, hopefully not. Yeah. You couldn't tell it by uh, the way the IndyCar teams are behaving so far. So hopefully, uh, hopefully they'll fare, continue to fare strongly. Fair enough. All right, everybody. Good night. Thanks, everybody. Good season, and talk to you soon.